God the Holy Spirit longs for us to hear him. He, he speaks to us regularly. And when he does, he wants us to follow him. And sometimes that, that thought of uh, trying to discern when the Holy Spirit is leading us, prompting us, compelling us, uh, moving us, impressing upon us, trying to understand that, um, we've made it very complicated. And I don't think we need to. I think sometimes because we can't see the Holy Spirit, we, we find ourselves thinking that somehow it's going to be um, this puzzle that we have to kind of put together. Yet, as I continue to grow my walk with the Lord and, and spend time with Christ's followers, his voice becomes recognizable. And I believe it is supposed to be recognizable. I think when the Spirit speaks, we should know that it's him speaking. I don't think it's rocket science, and nor do I think that he ever intended for it to be rocket science. Like somehow it's an algebra problem to figure out his voice. Like it's a riddle or it's this complicated process to hear his voice. Why would God, the Holy Spirit, make it difficult for us to hear him if he wants us to follow him? Why would he make it a complicated process? I think we make it complicated. And so as I grow in my walk with the Lord, I found that the more time I spend with God, the more familiar his voice becomes. The less time I spend with him, the less familiar his voice is. My hope is this today. This could be one of those Sundays, if you allow it to be, where God the Holy Spirit could show you and could speak to you as clear as he's ever spoken before, and you could understand him and respond to him. Voice recognition is, is definitely a major factor in understanding the Holy Spirit. Think about the ways when we recognize a voice we are familiar with. Like, if I were to play Paul Harvey's voice, many of you would immediately recognize his voice because you've listened to him, because you've heard him, because he said the same phrase over and over again. I love when I see mothers in a crowd of babies, mothers in a crowd of children, and there could be a, a variety of children just running all over the place, and if one baby begins to cry immediately, the mom of that baby recognizes the cry. And you'll see her immediately turn. Even at basketball games or football games and specifically indoor basketball games, I can't tell you how many times I've heard players say, because a father has been in the stands and everyone else and all these other voices are screaming out that when this dad speaks, sometimes in not such a good way, the son or the daughter playing say, oh, that's my dad. There's voice recognition that takes place. And so we work at that trying to figure out the right voice. 
I can recall, I have a friend, uh, uh, Daryl Goodman and Doug Gossman, who were close friends with Rick Fox, who played basketball. He's from Warsaw, Indiana, and Rick lived with the Gossmans. And when Rick went on to the University of North Carolina and played, then he went on to the Boston Celtics, and he finished out his career with the Los Angeles Lakers. They went to a Boston Celtics game, and so after the game, all the players come out of the locker room, and they work their way through a tunnel, and the tunnel is lined with hundreds and sometimes thousands of people trying to get autographs, screaming at them. And so there are a lot of voices competing, trying to, to, to get their attention so that Rick could write an autograph and other Saudis could write an autograph. And my, my friends Daryl and Doug realized that they needed to speak in a voice so that Rick would recognize it. And people were yelling, Rick Fox, Rick Fox, Rick Fox. So the two of them decided they would yell, Doug Gossman. That was his name. And so as Rick came walking through, on top of all these other voices, they were yelling, Rick Fox. And Doug Gossman and Daryl Goodman were standing there and they yelled, Doug Gossman. And so Rick immediately <laughs> turned around. It was a voice that he had recognized and a name he had recognized. When you and I spend time with someone, you get familiar with their voice. And the more time you spend with the Holy Spirit, the more familiar you get with his voice. Let me define some terms first that we're going to kind of walk through today in understanding the Spirit. We use terms like prompted by the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've used those terms. I have too. I've been prompted. You've been prompted by the Holy Spirit. Prompted is a reminder or cue. It's an assist. It means to spur or to incite. So the Holy Spirit spurs us. The Holy Spirit reminds us. The Holy Spirit gives us a cue. Another term that we use is led by the Spirit. To lead, to follow after a leader. So we have to be led by the Spirit. So we need to follow after him. Another term that we'll use often is, I was compelled by the Spirit. You were compelled by the Spirit to stop. You were compelled by the Spirit to go. You were compelled by the Spirit to do. You were compelled by the Spirit to wait. Compelled has the idea to necessitate, to exert a strong, irresistible force or to sway someone. So the Spirit sways us. The Spirit, he, he, he tries to give us an irresistible force to get our attention. Another word that we use is moved by the Spirit. Moved means to prompt into action, to rouse our attention. The Spirit rouses our attention. And then another word that all these are similar, to be impressed by the Holy Spirit means deeply or markedly affected or influenced by the Spirit. Like, we, we, we feel this deep thing inside of us. It's the Spirit trying to get our attention. It's much like when a child is walking with a parent when they're small, and the adult is walking, and the child is walking, and sometimes they get lost in the crowd because the parent is looking here, the child is looking here. So have you ever had your child kind of grab a hold of your shirt tail to get your attention? And so they pull at your shirt tail, trying to, to influence you, trying to remind you that, hey, trying to get your attention. And that's what the Spirit does. He tries to get our attention to cause us to move in a certain direction. And that plays in many ways. I mean, he can prompt you to pray in the middle of the night. How many times have you 
in the middle of the night, been dead asleep, and, you've, and, and the Spirit wakes you up to pray for someone. How many times have you, have you then followed that up and say, hey, what were you doing like at 6 in the morning or 5 in the morning? I was just prompted by the Spirit to pray for you. And so when you're prompted, you, you, you pray. And I can remember a time driving home from college, from, from Indiana, going back to Maryland. I was in my car, and I was, it was a, a long weekend. In fact, it was after a basketball weekend, and I had practice, and it was a preseason training. I was tired, and I wanted to get home. They gave us a weekend off. And so I'm driving home. It's 2.18 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, something close to that. I don't remember the exact time. But I was falling asleep. I wanted to get home for a two-day weekend with my family after being a grace freshman. And so on my way home, I was falling asleep. I could hardly stay awake. And, and my mom tells me that she woke up. She was prompted by the Spirit to pray for me. And so she, she sat straight out of bed. She sat straight up. She remembers looking at the clock. It was two-something exactly. And she said, and she felt prompted by the Spirit, pray for Jim, wake him up. And I was driving along. And I remember, I, I vividly remember running off the side of the road, hearing the bumps on the side of the road, and waking up and throwing the vehicle back in and looking at the clock. It was the exact time that my mom was prompted to pray for me. Obviously, all these terms, no matter how you use, how you describe what the Spirit is doing, they consider us to make a decision outside of our own thinking. And so they come from within. I can recall just recently, I was prompted by the Spirit, I was compelled by the Spirit to send someone a text to pray for them. And so I hadn't thought about this person, I hadn't, they weren't on my radar screen, and, and so I, it was after a time in prayer, and so I grabbed my phone and I scrolled down through the contacts, and, and I sent this person a text that went something like this, hey, I just felt led to pray for you, hope everything's okay. I received a response back from this person that said something like this. You will not believe how perfect that timing was. How perfect that, 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 that text I received from you. I was in the midst of making a business decision. And I was wondering what I should do. And I was asking God for a sign. And immediately I get this text from you. I've received them. You've sent them. So how does that take place? How do we know when it's from the Spirit? Well, I'm going to walk you through the Bible, and I'm going to show you an example, and then I'm going to try to practically lay out what I believe to be true. So turn to Acts chapter 20. Turn to Acts chapter 20, and I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to look at verse 22. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. But turn to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to read verses 22 uh, through 24. Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. When you find that stand, let's read that out loud together. Acts chapter 20, verses 22 to 24. Let's read this out loud. Ready, read. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Let's pause a second and let's all read this together. Acts chapter 20. In verse 22, ready, read. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. 
However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You may have a seat. Paul is writing this and spending this last moment with the, the, the elders at Ephesus. And so he tells them, just look again, he says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Plain and simple, we must trust the messenger first. The only way we are going to be, if we think we are being prompted, and I'm going to try to walk you through what that means. If we think we're being prompted, the only way we'll listen to that prompting of the Holy Spirit is if we trust him. The only way that you do something generally or follow someone is if you trust them. And if you don't trust the messenger, then why would you do what he's trying to get you to do? He's not complicated. Sometimes because of a variety of reasons, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, what we've done, we've made him very complicated. It's like, it's, it's kind of like, it's this game called boggle. And like somehow that, that the Holy Spirit wants us to figure out, we got to go through this complex thing. And so it's a bunch of letters and, and then they're all in there. And then we, we try to spell a word and make sense of what he's trying to tell us. It's like we're trying to find the missing piece to the puzzle of the Holy Spirit. Yet I don't believe the Holy Spirit intended for the signal, the prompting to be a puzzle to us. He's not a confusing God. He's not trying to give us a complex geometry quotient or question or math problem or algebra problem that we don't understand and that we can barely get the answer and only a few can figure it out. If you are a Christ follower and you are born again and the Holy Spirit is in you, he makes it clear enough that we can understand without being boggled by what he's trying to tell us. Yet most of us, on one occasion or another, we feel like we're confused. Is he saying this or is he saying that? Should we do this or should we do that? Yet the more familiar you get with his voice, the less it becomes a puzzle to you. Look again at this passage. Paul says this in verse 22. He doesn't know what's going to happen to me. There seems to be a level of uncertainty, even though he's moving on. There always, when the spirit speaks, realize this. There will take faith to complete whatever he's trying to get you to do. It requires faith in order to take that step. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes there's a level of uncertainty. And so in this case, Paul is stepping out. There is a level of uncertainty, but he trusts the messenger. So he steps out in faith so that he can follow what the spirit is telling him. Moments like these are moments when God plants something in your soul, you feel impressed by God to do something for him. A lot of people stop after the prompting because they don't know all the details. I see that happen. I've seen it happen in my own personal life. It's like, God, I trust you. I sense this is a prompting from the spirit. And so part of
wants to stop because we don't know how it's all going to work out. We just know this is the direction we're supposed to go in. And so it's real easy for us to pull away because we are very much trying to be in control of our lives. We want to know how much, how far, how long. And often when the Spirit prompts, He wants us to step out in faith, and then He reveals. But if you don't step out, you won't see the revelation to what He wants to do for you. A lot of people stopped after the prompting because they don't know all the details. God doesn't show you all the details at once. He would never do that. If He did, you would probably run in another direction. Because often it's a challenging path. Often it's a difficult path. Often it requires faith. Often it requires sacrifice. And so if we could see all those things, many of us would retreat and pull away because it cost us something. The step towards your divine destination is always a step away from security because we're trusting someone We're trusting God instead of trying to stand in this hovering pattern. If you're not leading with a little uncertainty every now and then, then you're probably not leading by faith. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense at first, but later on you understand. And it requires a level of trust from the messenger, the Holy Spirit. By the way, the best way to get familiar with is by spending time with the messenger. Like if you want to get to know me, the best way for you to get to know me is by spending time with me. And you would soon find out all my inadequacies. You would find out my sense of humor. You would know my voice. Maybe you would trust me, hopefully. And then you would begin to know me better. And so when a decision comes, and maybe I'm in the midst of that group and I suggest something, There's a part of you that will or will not based upon the relationship you have with me. The greatest way to do this is by spending time within the book, the Bible. Now think about that for a second. We saw last week that the author of the book is the Holy Spirit. The best way we can get to know the Holy Spirit The greatest way you can get to know the Holy Spirit is by spending time in a book that he wrote. The less time you spend in the book, the less familiar you are with him and the less apt you are to lead and follow his promptings. You show me a person who is saturated in the word of God. You show me a person who has a daily reading in the word of God. You show me a person who is studying the word of God Right now, not 10 years ago, not used to's, but right now. You show me someone who regularly spends time in his word, I will show you someone who's familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit. You show me someone who doesn't spend time in his word, who doesn't have a regular reading pattern, I will show you someone who is less familiar with the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life, his life. Because he doesn't know the author. The greatest way to get to know the prompting and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen, this isn't rocket science. This isn't boggle. This isn't an algebra problem. Read the book and you will get to know the author of the book. And when the author of the book speaks, you'll say, huh, 
I remember him trying to say that in here. And so if it lines up with the word of God, which he's already said, you move in it. So we have Christians all across America who the Holy Spirit is regularly trying to compel them, regularly trying to prompt them, regularly trying to sway them, yet they don't move because it's been months, it's been weeks. In some cases, it's been years since they've spent time. Listen, it has to be more than Sunday morning opening up your Bible. It should be regular, daily. I spend time in God's word seven days a week, not just for preaching, And the reason I do is so that I get familiar with the author of the book. Let me show you what I mean. Turn back to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. The question for you to ask is, how much time do you spend with the author of the book? How familiar are you? Do you find yourselves wondering if it's from the Spirit? The primary reason you don't know is because you don't spend time with him. Look at Acts chapter 4. Let me give you an example of what I'm saying here. Acts chapter 4. Luke says this in Acts chapter 4. He says, you spoke by the what? Okay, help me out. Acts chapter 4, verse 25. You spoke by the what? Okay, everybody turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 25. You spoke by the what? Thank you. Through the mouth of your what? Our father what? Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Look again what Luke, the author of Acts, is saying. He said, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Here's what that means. The Holy Spirit spoke, the authors of the Bible spoke from. They took what he said and they wrote it out. In this case, Psalm chapter two. David got what he wrote from the Holy Spirit. And so the minute we say, I follow David, I like what Paul says, I like what Mark says, I like what Luke says, I like what Moses said, I like what they say better than I like other parts of the Bible. So you have people that say, my favorite book of the Bible is this. I just like the way he writes. I like what it says there. The minute we begin to say, I like the red letters more than the black letters, what we've done is say, I like the man better than the God. The Holy Spirit is the author. From the Spirit, the authors, the written authors, got the Word. The Word comes from the Holy Spirit and was written by David. There is a source that David got the Bible from, as did all 66 books of the Bible. And the source is the Holy Spirit. But the writers just became the messenger of the Holy Spirit. So, when we say we like Paul better than the gospel writers, we must be very careful because we begin to elevate some passages of the Bible over other passages. And the minute you do that, you elevate the man instead of the author who spoke it to the man who's the Holy Spirit. So, the more time you spend here, the more familiar you get with the Holy Spirit. For instance, 
When you read other authors' books, there's a bunch of authors that I really, really like. And so when they write, I buy all of their books. I like the way they write. I like their style. I like their personalities. I like how they think. I like how they challenge me. I like how they point me to Jesus. I like how books are Jesus-centered. And so if you were to ask me about a certain author that maybe that I've read about, I could tell you a lot about that author. In fact, I often see these authors, they're referred to in other books. The same is true of the Holy Spirit. When you spend time in the book, you get familiar with how he writes, how he speaks. And then when he speaks to you, you're familiar because you've spent time with him. You know, I've often said this, that I will never have a ghost writer. A ghost writer is some, and by the way, a lot of your present day authors who have tons of books have ghost writers. Most of them don't write their own books. They collect information from that author through sermons, through things that they said, and then they write it, and then they hand it to the author and say, hey, what do you think? I'll never have a ghostwriter. Partly it's because I know this. No one could ever think like I think. And my wife would say they could never say some of the words that you say. They're not even in the English dictionary. And so part of me, I want my personality to come out through the book. So it's even difficult for me sometimes when, when someone says, hey, Jim, can I write this about you that you said this? It's like, okay, but let me see it first. And I've said sometimes in our office, if they had to quote me or give something to the paper, let me see it first. And I'll say, man, I wouldn't say it that way. I would say it this way. It's the same with the Holy Spirit when you get familiar with him. And so the less time you spend here, the less familiar you are with the voice. In fact, turn to Hebrews chapter four and let me remind you of how powerful the the word of God is. Hold your hand here and and turn back to Hebrews chapter four, please. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four and verse 12. I think what you're going to find at the end of this service is is the word of God is a pretty valuable book. (laughs) Hebrews chapter four. Look at Hebrews chapter four and verse 12. Look what it says here. For the word of God is what? Alive and what? Sharper than any double-edged what? It penetrates even to dividing soul and what? Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Look at that again. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. So literally, here's what that means. This Bible is like no other book ever written. It's alive. If you were to put a microscope over it, there's a living organism inside of it. It has cells. It's living. It's alive. And so when you read it, it's alive, it's active. So it's not dead. It's like it wasn't just good for a thousand years ago. When you read it today, it penetrates us. It divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow. And so when we read it, we can ask it to be alive to us. It's very important that we know that. So when 
it's really good before you read God's word to ask God to penetrate the wrong and ill-conceived notions that you have collected along the way. So often I'll pray, Holy Spirit, when I read your book today, when I read this passage today, help me to remove the traditions that somehow I've collected along the way that says this is what the word of God says. Help me to remove any false or ill-conceived ideas or theology that somehow I've collected along the way. Help me to read it so that it's alive and it speaks to me today. Help me, Holy Spirit, to understand you when I read it. When's the last time you asked the Holy Spirit before you read the Bible just to help you understand the Bible? The more familiar you get with the Holy Spirit the more apt you are to trust the messenger when he prompts you to do something. There is an inseparable connection between reading the Bible and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Pause. Let's take a pause. So, if that's true, by the way, I know it's true. Do you think it's possible the reason you don't hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit is because you don't spend time in his word? Now listen, I'm not talking about 10 years ago spending time in his word because the Bible is alive and active today. What kind of plan do you have where you're regularly reading from the author, the Holy Spirit? If you're not, I'm telling you, the less time you spend in his word, the less familiar you are to follow his promptings, his compelling you, him pressing you, him leading you. There's an inseparable connection between reading from the Holy Spirit and understanding his voice when he speaks. Generally, there will be predictable resistance when the Holy Spirit asks you to do something. In fact, look back to Acts chapter 20. When the Holy Spirit compelled Paul, look at verse 23. It says this, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship is facing me. There will generally be predictable resistance. If you are not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God. So often we retreat to safety. Holy Spirit says, I want you to stop and speak to that person. I want you to walk over there and you feel compelled. You see someone and there's this voice inside of you that's saying, go talk to that person about the Lord. You're driving down the road and there's a vehicle on the side of the road. It's broken down. It's, it can be a, just a good thing to stop and help too. But how many times have you rode by and the spirit was saying, hey, tugging, point at you like a little child does. Hey, take notice. Stop and help that person. And you drove right past them. The less familiar you get, the, more, the less apt you are to stop and listen to him. Every new and effective thing for God will always bring resistance. There's some fear. There's some unknowns. There's some uncertainty stopping. And there's also wisdom. I would never encourage a woman to stop unless she has a man with her if a man is broken down on the side of the road. There's also wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. Also know this. The Holy Spirit cannot and will not lead you into sin. So, hear that again. He cannot and he will not lead you into sin. So if you feel like you're in the midst of this, you feel like you've been led by God, you're going to this place, and 
You're supposed to be with these people and all of a sudden you find yourselves feeling grieved. You find yourselves, we're going to talk about some of those things here in a minute, so I don't want to get, get, get ahead of myself. But you realize now you're thinking about doing something that you know you shouldn't do. That somehow you know that it, it could be sin. Yet part of you is trying to say, well, I want to reach these people. If you think the Holy Spirit would ever lead you into sin, you've been deceived by the devil. He will never prompt you, never lead you into sin, never. So if what you're doing, the end result leads to sin, then you weren't led by the Holy Spirit to do that thing. So if you're with someone, they begin to tell you all the reasons that God has spoken to them for you to join them in this adventure, and it goes against the counsel of God, then stop and say, no way. You know, I, I watch this happen often. People begin to settle. Like, hey, we're going to go on this trip together, and we're going to get this bedroom together. He's going to sleep there, and I'm going to sleep there. Or we're going to go camping together, and we're going to sleep in this camping. We're going to sleep in this camper, boy and girl together. Let me just say something. That wasn't led by the Holy Spirit. Because the end result of that potentially could be sin. And plus, it's a bad testimony. So if you're in some environment and things begin to turn south and you begin to feel uneasy or yucky or nauseous, then stop and retreat. Promptings never promise an easy path. In fact, look at verse 24 of Paul here. Verse 24 says, however, Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul tests to that here. You will see that all through the Bible. The Holy Spirit is not called the comforter by random choice. He's going to comfort us in our testings. He's going to comfort us when the path becomes difficult. The only way you can be comforted is when you are uncomfortable. And in Paul's case, this choice to follow Jesus would be very dangerous. And eventually you would see Paul get in prison and die in prison. But he will always lead you, the Holy Spirit, into the will of God. And often the way he prepares for you is to let you experience pain and suffering. Now listen to me, I'm going to repeat that. Often, the path that the Holy Spirit leads you on is painful. Often, the path that the Holy Spirit leads you on is difficult. Often, that path is that way because if we're really honest with ourselves, we grow the most is when we experience pain because we have to trust in God. We never know all the details of our future when we are prompted and we step out in faith following the Holy Spirit. Sometimes all we really know is that we have a future, but we don't know the details. But keep in mind that we are very human and we can be deceived to believe a lie. And the Holy Spirit will not stop us when we choose our will over his will because we have a free will. Now, here's the question that often gets surfaces. Will the Holy Spirit stop me from sinning? Will he just stop me? Will, will he? Now listen, Christ created us. When he set us into motion, when he set the world into motion and he created man, he gave us a free will. And because of that, 
We can choose to do right or we can choose to do wrong. The Holy Spirit's job and his responsibility is to lead us into the path of righteousness. Now, he'll try to stop us. He'll convict us. He'll get in the way. He'll send other people in our way. He'll tell other people to tell us. He'll remind us of scripture. He'll do a variety of things to stop us. But we have a free will. We can choose volitionally to sin. He won't stop us, but he'll do everything under the sun to keep us from doing that. It is just the way he functions and operates. Now think about that for a second. But he will always make it pretty clear that we're not supposed to go there. And also know this, he will show you the way out when you do fall. So you might be asking, then how do I know when it's from the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked that question. How do you know when it's from the Holy Spirit? I would say this. I began by saying this. He is very clear when he prompts. He doesn't throw us a boggle question that we got to kind of rattle around and figure out and we need this piece of the puzzle and that piece of the puzzle. We need, like, we're confused and we got to figure out what, what pi r squared is and we just, it's like, and we need to know what the A is and the algebra problem. It's like, that isn't the Holy Spirit. He doesn't make it complicated. After many years of having him live inside of me, I have learned a lot from all the times I didn't listen and all the times I did listen. First thing I would encourage you to do, pray to the Holy Spirit and ask him to show you how to recognize his promptings. That's pretty clear. It's like, okay, regularly. All right, Holy Spirit, as I walk through this day, first thing you should pray is help me to hear your voice. Help me to understand your promptings. Would you show me? Don't you think he would, going, he would really want to answer that question in a clear way? How often do you pray that? When's the last time you prayed, Holy Spirit, help me to recognize your voice and your promptings? We must be very careful when we use phrases like this, though. And I've seen it happen, and you've probably maybe been on the receiving end of it. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, God told me to do this and say this? Be very careful when you say that. I never want to speak on behalf of the Holy Spirit when it's been pizza from the night before. And so we use phrases like that, and sometimes use it to manipulate or control others. Well, God told me I had this, and this is what I heard, and this is what I do. This is what God told me and us to do. Be very, 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 very careful. Be very, very, very careful using that. Because when you begin to speak for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in the blasphemous way, that is sin. So be very careful. I personally will never take someone else's word alone as dogma or the final word. Now, let me pause and say, I do listen and I do value other people's who, who are spirit-filled people. But I just don't stop there and say, well, if he spoke to you, then let's do it. Let me explain. I have had many people come to me through the years and say something like this. God spoke to me, Pastor Jim, that this is what you need to do. God spoke to me, Pastor Jim, and said that this is what's going to happen to you. I've had a few people come on occasion. I, you know, this, I, I, this is what God told me, and this is what's going to happen to you. Well, thanks a lot. I understand 
why they're saying it. But listen, my reply is always the same in those kind of situations. If God has called me to lead Grace Community Church, I am sure he will speak to me that very same thing or confirm that that's the direction I should go. Why would he feed me something differently that he's feeding you? The Holy Spirit is unified. Never will there be a clash or collision of ideas when the Holy Spirit moves. He doesn't want to create adverse situations where two are pitted against each other. It's very scary ground to walk on when you begin to speak for God, the Holy Spirit, and misrepresent his voice. I do not want to fall under the wrath of God because of that. That is why I tread very, very thoughtfully, fearfully, and carefully with, with, that, with what I'm about to say to you. Because there are too many charlatans out in our Christian world today that call themselves Christians. There are too many charlatan pastors out there who are taking advantage of their position and using it to manipulate and control people, their time and their resources and their money. Plus, I never want to take Jesus and his followers and make them look utterly ridiculous or almost like a carnival. You know what I'm talking about. So, I often ask this question, and you should ask this question. When you see something in ministry, when you see something on TV, when you see something in a Christian home, when you are part of something, if what is happening doesn't build the church of Jesus Christ up and makes no sense, then it probably isn't from God. So, I often, if I'm in a circle, I ask that question. Is this building up the church of Jesus Christ? Or is it making it look like a carnival? Is Jesus lifted up higher as a result of what's taking place here? Is Christ being glorified more as a result of that? I think you should do that every Sunday morning at Grace Community Church. Is what you see building up Christ in the church? Or is it a carnival? Is it just so weird that I, I can't even wrap my mind around it? Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. The Holy Spirit isn't a boggle game. The Holy Spirit isn't complicated. He isn't complicated. The Holy Spirit is, he is clear. The Holy Spirit isn't fuzzy. The Holy Spirit doesn't cause you to walk away and say, I can't understand that. The Holy Spirit is a clear God. So if you're in a situation where it is very, very, very complicated, where it is just weird, where the church of Jesus Christ isn't getting built up and a man or a messenger in that ministry or that church is being exalted over God, then let me tell you, be very careful. Be very careful to follow that. Our God, the Holy Spirit, is not a God of confusion. In fact, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I am walking as carefully and prayerfully as I can through this because this is very important. And I prayed my tank up today and asking the Holy Spirit to guide me carefully through this. 1 Corinthians 14, look at 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33. 
For God is not a God of what? Disorder. Another translation could be, God is not a God of confusion, but of what? As in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Paul says this, our God is not a God of confusion. It's like, you don't sense more confusion after spending time. It's not like, man, I'm just more confused now than I was when we started. Our God is not a God of confusion or disorder. Our God, the Holy Spirit, is clear. You know who the author of confusion is? Who's the author of confusion? Satan is. So anytime you're in a situation where it is totally confusing, you must ask the Holy Spirit, is this from you or is this from the enemy? Anytime you walk away and it is more confusing, it is more complex, you're more complex or perplex. It's more complicated and you just don't have an idea and you walk away and you're just like, I don't even know what took place there and I have no idea. You must ask the question to the Holy Spirit, was this from you or was it from God? And we've seen some things in our world that you have to ask that question. I think you should ask it every Sunday at Grace Community Church. Listen, I'm just as prone because I'm a human being to sin as anyone else is. I'm not elevating me or anyone else. And I'm not trying to get that out there. We should test everything up against scripture. So when you begin to see things like this, you have to ask the question. When I see things where I see people kicking people and trying to, to, to knock demons out of them, I have to ask the question. Is that building up the church of Jesus Christ? Is the man being elevated over God? If he is, then you must ask the question, is it of God? I will also say this. The first thing you must ask after you ask the Holy Spirit, if this is the legit move of God, is this. Does this step I'm about to take honor God and lift him up? Or does the attention go to a man? I'm about to walk you through some very, very practical stuff. This is my experience. It could be different than your experience, but I have a a suspicion that it's probably very similar. These are things I come, have come to understanding regarding the spirit's prompting. So if you were to ask me, Jim, what do you do when the prompting comes? How do you recognize the Holy Spirit? I believe as a messenger of God that I can share that with you. Let me just give you some practical things that run through my mind in trying to discern if it's from the Holy Spirit. First, I would say this. The Holy Spirit's voice produces peace and everything is under control. Satan's voice speaks of despair and he'll say things like, you've missed it and all is lost. It's almost like Satan is pressuring you when the spirit is bringing peace. So if you ever feel like this, this press, like I need to make a decision right now. I need to go right now. If I don't do it right now, I'm going to miss out on the opportunity for the rest of my life. Be very, very cautious. And if you get these impressions like, boy, all is going to be lost if I do this. And if you feel like despair has overcome you, then you must ask this question. Is it from God 
the Holy Spirit or is it from Satan? Another thing that I've learned. If I am uneasy or apprehensive, then I hit the pause button. It's like, I just, I'm apprehensive about doing that. After praying and asking him, I hit the pause button. And I just pause and I'll take it back to God. Lord, I'm, it's not that I don't have faith. I just feel uneasy about this. I feel apprehensive about this. And I've learned through the years that that's the spirit trying to tell me to pause and sometimes stop. Another thing, does this prompting line up with God's word and his character? If, is what I'm about to do line up with the scripture? Another thing, do I have inner peace and confidence even though I don't know all the details of this step? It's like, it's like okay, here we go, family. Here we go, honey. Here we go. We're gone. And I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I know this is the direction that God has leading. And I have peace about it. It's like, and, and even there might be other people trying to tell me, don't go, don't do that, trying to tug at me. And if I have peace about it, you know what? I am all in because that's consistent with the Holy Spirit's prompting in my life. Another thing that I use, do I feel yucky? Do I get this nauseous feeling in my gut when considering this step? I can't tell you how many times I've hit the pause button. Like, and I just get this nauseous feeling in my gut. It's like, whoa. It's almost like, almost feel like I'm going to throw up. And I'm, it's not because of food. It's just this in the spirit saying, no, don't do that. Or walking into someone's life and seeing something, it's like, oh my, I don't feel good about this. Something's up. There is sin that's being hidden here. And so I've learned through the years, in my case, that's the Holy Spirit's prompting in my life. Another thing I've learned, does it keep coming back to me over and over until I deal with it? It's like, I can't get this person's name off my mind. I can't get this, this next step off my mind. It's like, I keep trying to strip myself of that thought and it just keeps coming back. Do this, do this, do this, do this. He'll speak through another person. I'll sit under a message like, okay. I've learned that that's the Holy Spirit's prompting in my life. Did it happen in a similar way before? Did this prompting from the Spirit happen in a similar way before? If it just seems too complicated... And I can't seem to clear the fog and, and it almost gets me to a point of total frustration Then I believe say, that, that the Holy Spirit is saying no. Have you ever had those moments? Like, it's like, it's just, it just gets more difficult. Like the further I go in this thing, it's like, Ann and I, we've had situations and it's like when we stopped and said, man, this is just too confusing. This, I mean, the Holy Spirit's not a boggle kind of God. <laughs> He's a clear God. And so if I feel more confused at the end of this step before I take it, they know we do, I retreat. It's not from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is gentle and persuasive, free from pressure. Now, listen, when you begin to understand that, that's what I found. I found he not, he's, not a, he's not a pressuring kind of God. It's not forcing you, just pounding you. He's gentle and persuasive. He's like, Come on, Jim, that'd be a good idea. But you know who does try to pressure you into stuff? His name is called Satan. Satan is loud and clamoring, always demanding, and wants an immediate response from you. 
when you feel pressure to make a decision, you better ask the question, is this from God? I've found when I feel pressured in to making a decision, if I feel pressed against and it's clamoring and it's confused, oh boy, that's not from God. So when do these promptings come to me? Here's what I found through the years when they come to me. After I've spent time in prayer. I can't tell you how many times after just laying on my face or on my knees or sitting in my chair, driving down the road, and I pray often when I run. When I'm praying, yesterday I was out for a seven-mile run. I was running in the afternoon, and I'm just praying, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I can't tell you how many times after I've gotten finished running and I'm cooling down that the Spirit of God prompts me to do something, prompts me because I've spent time talking to him. When do these promptings come? When I'm sitting in the presence of a spirit-filled message or a worship set. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting and listening to a podcast, been in a worship service, listening to someone speak, and it's like, wow, where did all those thoughts come from? They come to me, the spirit prompts me when I'm sitting in the presence of a spirit-filled deliverer, a spirit-filled worship leader, a spirit-filled environment. I am often prompted with new thoughts, with new things, with new ways. When I'm alone in creation, when I remove all the distractions around me, there's times I go out and I just don't have any kind of electronics. I just sit in creation and I try to listen to God. After time reading his word, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, daily, every day, before my feet hit the bed, this is just my habit. I'm not trying to put myself above. Many of you do it a lot better than I do. But before my feet get out of bed in the morning, you know what I do? I read God's word. Every single morning of my life, I read his word. And so when I spend time in his word, imagine reading the book that the authors wrote, the Holy Spirit. Don't you think he can speak to you then? When else am I prompted? After spending time with a spirit-filled person. I often feel prompted when I'm serving other people or sharing my faith. My heart becomes pliable and soft when I witness to other people. Now, that is so true. You show me a person who's regularly evangelizing, I will show you a spirit-filled person who is soft to the things of God. You show me a person who hasn't, who hasn't tried to lead someone to Christ in years, I will show you a callous heart. You cannot be redeemed and not want to share your faith. Either you've slid away or you become calloused. When I'm sitting in places where an intercessor has sat, I can't tell you how many times my wife has a spot in the house when I sit in the chair that she regularly prays from. I do it every Sunday morning at 4 a.m. I was there this morning at 4 a.m. And I sat down in a chair that my wife regularly prays in. When I sat there because an intercessor was there, I hear promptings from God that are directly from his throne. When I ask him to speak to me clearly, sometimes I just ask. And so yesterday I was running. Holy Spirit, just speak to me. Holy Spirit, help me deliver this message. Holy Spirit, help it not to be confusing to our people. Holy Spirit, show me how. Holy Spirit, give me ideas. Holy Spirit, give me examples. Holy Spirit, when we just ask him, I get promptings from him. The times I know I miss the Holy Spirit is when I have no peace in my life. When there's just turmoil in this adventure or this thing that I'm doing, where it's just just turmoil, just constant turmoil and confusion. I know that I'm headed in the wrong direction. 
And by the grace of the Holy Spirit, you know what he does when I made the wrong choice, when I went down a path I shouldn't? He know what he does? He prompts me and tries to get me to get out of there. When I sin, I can't hear the Holy Spirit. If I am going opposed and making the decision, don't you think if you're radically going against and you're living in an armpit of habitual sin, I'm, I'm talking about habitual sin, just you're entrenched in it. You're doing what you shouldn't do. It's very difficult to hear from the Holy Spirit. The times I know I missed the voice of the Holy Spirit when I felt pressured to do so because it probably was from Satan. How to explore when uncertain. So what do you do when you're, you know, you're doing all these things and you're still uncertain? What should you do? The, if the step does not cause you to sin, then I say, Go. And gather information. You can always say no at some point and retreat back. The other thing I do if I'm uncertain, I'll go to my wife, who is a spirit-filled woman, and I'll say, honey, let's pray about this. And obviously she'll come to me, and we spend time in prayer. Let's ask the Holy Spirit what he wants us to do. I go as the leader of my home. I listen intently to what my wife says. I, 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 I'm, I'm glued in to what the Spirit is speaking to her. And if she's on board and I'm on board, we make the decision to go. How to explore? If you're uncertain, get away and pray and fast. And let the Spirit of God speak to you when you move to the distractions of other things. Let me wrap it up by saying this. If the devil can tell you to do something wrong, and we're okay with that. We even say that. Well, the devil told me to do that. And we, we give him more credit than what he deserves, by the way. Some of us just our own whole sin nature, our flesh. We say things, well, boy, I'm just tempted by the devil to do this. And I'm just, the devil was after me. He's just trying to get me to do this. You know, we're okay with that. It's like, that's not confusing, is it? We could say, and we even accept that. Like, yeah, I understand that. Yet the minute the devil, if, if we believe the devil can tell us to do something, don't you think the Holy Spirit can tell us to do something right? Then why do we have such a problem with like, that was from the Holy Spirit when we know that was from the devil? Here's a prayer that I pray regularly for myself. It's from Isaiah 30, 21, and I put my name into this prayer and I pray this. Whether you turn to your left or right, Jim, may your ears hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Lord, help us today to hear your voice. Help us today, God, to respond in the way that you would want us to respond. Holy Spirit, I pray that there would be clarity like never before. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that that we would go back to your word because you are the author and that we would begin to get familiar with you again so that when you are prompting us, we know your voice and we understand what you're saying. Thank you, God, for the way you work and the way you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.